Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all are going to help me out today, all right? So the louder you get, the better I'm going to preach today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Wow, it's going to be a great message, I'm telling you. Well, hey, today is Memorial Day, and this morning I want to show us a video today to reflect on that. And a Memorial Day is a day that we set aside as a nation to honor those who have fallen in battle. And so it's different from Veterans Day where we celebrate everyone who's been part of the military. Instead, today is a day where we remember those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. And so let's take a look at this video. Freedom is not free. The preservation of liberty is a paramount duty, a supreme sacrifice. Our sons and daughters live free lives because warriors give theirs, but often their sacrifice lives on with them. The scars of service can haunt our country's warriors and their loved ones, but a light burns against the night that proves the hope of a journey with Christ. Service members and their families find restoration for broken relationships and wounded hearts, not in a battle of flesh and blood, but in a battle fought on the stretches of the human heart. This is the warrior's journey, an online resource helping those who serve, those who have served, and their families navigate the unique challenges in their lives. So warriorsjourney.org. So that video was produced by them. Eric and I came across this ministry and we're super impressed with it and just want to share it with you today as uh, many of you will know somebody who's currently serving in the military and this could be a blessing with them. It deals with the heart and the spiritual side of those in the military and so I'd encourage you to share that with them. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you, to come and gather in this place today and online and make you known. And so God, I pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones to protect and to fight for our freedom, that today that you would bring peace and comfort and, uh, and bless their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are memorials all around our nation that honor fallen soldiers, and we have one in close proximity to our church. A few months ago, I was driving by the memorial that's just near Dairy Queen, Caddy Corner from Walgreens, not far from our church, and I noticed that all of the flags were faded really poorly uh, on it, and so I came into the office and I said, Sarah, we've got to do something about that, so can you please contact whoever it is that's responsible for the memorial and see what we can do to get new flags put out there. And so she made a couple of phone calls and tracked it down. And because of your generosity, there are brand new flags hanging at the memorial today for those who gave their all. Like they gave their best gift. And so we say as a church, we want to honor them. We don't want faded flags celebrating the price that they paid. Instead, we want bright colored flags. And so as you drive by there today, you'll notice that. And I was contacted. We told I told Sarah to tell them, I said, listen, we don't want any credit for this. We just, we just want to do it. Like, we saw a need, and we just want to fill it. And I was, uh, <laughs> another person reached out to me wanting to give us credit for it publicly, and I just said, listen, it's not about that for us. We saw a need in our community, and we just wanted to fill it. So while I appreciate what you want to do, 
Uh, that's not why we did it. And so the reason why I'm telling you as a church is because you had a part in it. And so I want you to be able to, uh, to celebrate that. But today as we reflect on Memorial Day, I want us to look at the idea of memorials. And you can go ahead and pull out your Bible and turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to cover a couple of verses in Joshua chapter 1 and 2 and 3. And then the primary focus of our, the sermon this morning is going to be in Joshua chapter 4. And I think that most of us in life tend to think in the short term and the immediate rather than in the long term. And what I mean by that is this, that there aren't very many days outside of preparation for this message that I'm thinking about what's going to happen 100 years from now. And there are zero days that I'm thinking about what's going to happen 1,000 years from now. And the reality is for 99% of the people in this room, unless something drastic happens, most of us will be forgotten 100 years from now. And 1,000 years from now, anything that even demonstrated that we live this life will be gone. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Our roads can't even survive one winter in Iowa. Like, there's no way that they're going to be around 1,000 years from now. I don't really think our houses are going to be here for hundreds of years. Now, this building, on the other hand... Hundreds of years from now, it could possibly still stand. I've seen what, what it's made of. So, uh, but you get the point. And here's the deal. If we're not careful, we'll set up memorials for things that don't matter and won't last. I pray that God would use me and use you in a mighty way and that we would see a mighty revival take place in our community that literally would spread around the globe. But when he does that, it's not me or you that I want to be memorialized. Instead, it's the God who moved in our midst. It's him that I want to get credit for. It. It's him that I want to, uh, to people to look to. So there's this passage found in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. And again, you've already turned in your Bibles there. Before we begin reading through that, I just want to fill you in on some of the context of this. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is commissioned to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Several times in Joshua chapter 1, uh, there are, there's this phrase that says, be strong and very courageous. In fact, three times it mentions that. And so maybe some of you today, whatever you're facing in life, need to hear that. Be strong and courageous. Well, there it is, Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 2, we see this crazy story where these spies are sent to, uh, to survey what's going on. And uh, there's this story of how a prostitute named Rahab hid and protected the spies. And I just want to fill you in on just a little bit of that piece in Joshua chapter 2. So as you're taking notes, there are going to be a number of scriptures that we'll read today. I'd encourage you to go back. In fact, after today's message, I would encourage you to go back and read from Joshua chapter 1 all the way through Joshua chapter 4. You can read the whole book if you want to, but, uh, but I think it would be fun for you after today to, uh, to do that. So Joshua chapter 2, verse number 10. For we have heard, this is what Rahab says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Rahab knows what God has done for them. In fact, she tells them what God has done for them. And this has to be this incredible pride moment as a follower of Jesus, not for yourself, but for the God that you serve. That here's this lady 
who's recounting what God has done, and that's the God that you serve, the all-powerful, almighty God. And so as she's listing all this stuff out, yeah, that's the God that we serve. And I love what verse number 11 says. It says that as soon as they, as soon as they heard what God did for the Israelites, she said there was no spirit left in us. We knew that we could not stand against that. I love that. She recognized how powerful God was. Their army recognized how powerful God was. And they're like, we're, we're not even going to put our strongest up against you because we just know that God is more powerful. And I just wonder what it would look like if we walked with such an anointing and under the power of the Holy Spirit that those in opposition of the kingdom of God would just give up. Where their spirit to fight and rail against the kingdom of God, they would just be like, no. We're done. Our spirit, our desire to fight is gone because we recognize that God is all powerful. What would that look like? I'll tell you, the church is under attack. Can you imagine if our primary defense was the power of God working through each of our lives? Think about that. Like, how could people fight against that when the Holy Spirit's power is working through us? Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's going to build his church, amen? God's going to build his church, amen? I told you, the louder you respond, the better I'm going to preach this morning. God's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Rahab confessed, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. And in Joshua chapter 3, they're ready to cross over into the promised land, but there's this one thing standing in the way of them and their promise, and it's a river. And this is the second time that God is going to miraculously deliver people across a body of water. You'll remember the story of when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt across the Red Sea, and God parted the water. But because of their disobedience, many of them never even made it into the promised land. They wandered for 40 years. And so for those of you who've never made the connection before, there's a group of people who experienced that miracle twice. And so Numbers chapter 32 tells us what happened to some and also what happened to others. It says, surely none of the men who came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the promised land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob because they have not wholly followed me. None except Caleb and Joshua, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So as we look at this passage this morning, and we look at the second miracle of God parting the Jordan River, there's a group of people who've experienced this miracle twice. And so those under 20 and Joshua and Caleb would have been there the day that God miraculously parted the Red Sea. They crossed over. They got to the other side. The Egyptian army was right there in. And then they got crushed and annihilated as they crossed, as, as the Israelites crossed on dry ground. And so this is the day in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 2, verse number 10, that Rahab is talking about. She's talking about this moment. And so you have Joshua and Caleb who have seen the previous miracle as well as those under 20, and they find themselves on the bank of the river with a mass of people and no rafts, no bridge, no boats, no ferries, and somehow they know that they're supposed to be on the other side for the promised land. And they know what God has said. They know the instructions that God has given 
to them, and they know what he's done in the past. And even with that said, you have to think that in this moment, they have to be standing there going, okay, God, we know what you've said. We know what you did in the past. We know that 40 40 years ago, you did something like this with the Red Sea. Are you really going to do this again? And so now in chapter 3, they physically cross over the parted river on dry ground. And I find this distinction uh, between these two events worth mentioning. When Moses got to the Red Sea, he stretched out his staff across the Red Sea, and then it parted. In chapter 3, the priests had to physically get into the water before it parted. They had to step in. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 13 says, And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Can I just tell you this this morning? Memorials are rarely created for those who stand on the bank as spectators. Memorials are rarely created for those who stand on the bank as spectators. Memorials are created for moments of courage and distinction, not for passivity and complacency. There are some of you that have seen the miracles of God and you find yourself on the shore of the proverbial river between you and your promise and you're on the edge watching. And I just want to encourage you this morning, step out. I loved what Jordan said this morning when she said that uh, during worship and she said, I used to come here and what she said behind the scenes is I used to look crazy at the people who were lifting their hands. Right, but she wanted to be nice to y'all today, but I'll go there. So, uh, so she said, I used to look, look at y'all crazy for raising your hands. And she said, then I stepped out, and I realized the water's good. And I stepped out, and I experienced something that I had never experienced before. And so I just want to encourage you, even when it comes to worship, to listen to the words that Jordan shared this morning. So grateful for that. Take a step out. And so what's that next step for you in worship? And so we talked about this a few weeks ago, but maybe for some of you it's clapping and singing and lifting your hands. But imagine what God could do in that moment as you step out. And so I would encourage you to step out and let God do his miracle and lead you into his promise. This miraculous moment was memorialized because the priest stepped out. And the memorial that they set wasn't for a priest, and it wasn't for Joshua. It wasn't for the Israelites. It was for God. A supernatural moment was memorialized because people stepped out. And God wants to have some supernatural moments memorialized in your life, but you're going to have to step out. So what are the spiritually significant moments in your walk with Christ that you have memorialized? I think one of the days that should be memorialized in our lives is the day that we became a follower of Jesus. That should be a day that we should never forget when God brought us out of darkness and into the light. It should be a spiritually significant day for us and a day that we should celebrate each day in the same way that we celebrate our birthday. I know that there are many of you who celebrate your new birthday, the day that you became a follower of Jesus. That day should be memorialized in our lives and in our hearts. Another moment that requires stepping out uh, is being water baptized. And so I would encourage you, if you've never taken that next step, where the first step is this, confessing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's a personal decision for you to make, and even a, a, a private decision. But then there's this next step where we make a public declaration, where we tell the world we have become a follower of Jesus, and we intend to serve him the rest of our lives. 
So I would encourage you, if you've taken that step, that that would be another day that's memorialized in your life. And if you've not taken that step, that, uh, that you would make a decision to do that. And you say, well, how can I get water baptized here in our church, and when can I get baptized? Well, how is come talk to me or Pastor Dan or Pastor Madison or Sarah, call our church office and say, on this date, I want to get water baptized. And I'll just tell you that it doesn't matter what Sunday that you want to get baptized, we'll make it happen. And so somebody tested me with this a couple of years ago, and they said, uh, we're all going to be, our family's all going to be in town on Christmas Eve. Is there any way that we could get baptized on Christmas Eve? And I went, so let me just, for those of you who are judging me right now, Christmas Eve is the largest attended service of the year that we have. We need every chair in here possible. The baptistry takes up space in here. And so now I'm being tested with, you know, wh what decision do we make? And I went back to, we said that we would baptize you whatever time we gather that works for you and for your family. And so I just want to tell you, there's no excuse. If you're like, well, I really want to get baptized on this day, but y'all only do it this time. My family, anyway, just tell us what Sunday you want to get baptized and we'll make it happen. Um, another spiritually significant moment to be memorialized in our lives as followers of Jesus is the day when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. All of these spiritually significant moments in our life require us to step out. And so the priests step into the water, the water parts, and they literally cross on dry ground, and they get across, and then that's where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4, verse number 1 this morning. You're already there, and it's also going to appear on the screen. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. These priests step out into the water, believing for God to part the water just as he said he was going to do, but still obviously wondering if that's really what's going to happen or are they going to get rushed, uh, washed away in the rushing water. And I'll just tell you that I have stepped into a number of bodies of water in my lifetime, and not one time have any of them parted. Now, I have, at my size, I have displaced a significant amount of water when I get in, right? But not one time has it parted. So just think about a cannonball. You know, that's going to displace a lot of water, but it hasn't parted. And so, yet these are the instructions that they're given. And so you know that they have to be thinking, so let me get this straight. You're saying that we're going to step into this raging body of water, and as we step out, we're not going to be swept away, but instead these waters are going to part. 
And I don't want to make more of this than what there is, but in verse number 18, it says that the people did as Joshua told, in verse number 8, it says that people did as Joshua told them, and they took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. And so as we look at this river crossing, the Jordan was the test. And it was in the midst that God told them to grab something out of their perceived obstacle to remember his power. And so often we want the testimony without the test. Amen? We want, God, we want to be able to celebrate the great things without ever having to go through the hard things. We want to cross over into the promised land without the pain and without the test. But the thing that would remind them of God's goodness and his faithfulness would be found right in the middle of what stood between them and the promise. There are some things that God's wanting to do in your life, and as you step out in faith, he's going to expose some things that otherwise would have not been exposed if you hadn't stepped out. And they did as God said, and they built this memorial. He told them the why behind them building this memorial. He said, it isn't really about you. Instead, it's about the next generation. And he says, when the next generation asks you what these stones are for, you're going to tell them what God did in this moment. And some of you, not some of you, some of them might have looked at their monument and thought, what's the big deal? It's just a pile of rocks. Well, these aren't just ordinary rocks. Instead, these are rocks that had never been seen. I can only imagine having a conversation with a smart aleck kid who would say, these are just rocks. What, what's the, what does this mean? Well, these are, aren't just ordinary rocks. Your grandfather picked up this rock and put it on his shoulder when God parted the Red Sea. These rocks would have never been seen, never been touched had the priest not stepped into the water and the people trusted God and were obedient to him and carried it over to this side so that one day I could look at your smart mouth and tell you that this is what the power of God did. The rocks were a reminder that obedience brings opportunity. They stepped out in obedience and were able to step into the promised land. The rocks were memorials to the power of God. Now, literally 40 years prior, Joshua and Caleb and those under 20 had experienced the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. And that was a miracle of deliverance from Egypt. And now this is the parting of the Jordan River, and it has a similar feel, but it's not a deliverance from something. It's a deliverance to something. It was a deliverance to the promised land. And so this memorial was built as a reminder. The crazy thing is, is that no matter how many memorials the Israelites built up, they had a propensity to forget. And it's not really surprising, honestly, it's probably not reasonable to expect something that has no emotional connection to mean much to someone who didn't experience that. And so our job as we set up memorials is not to force people to remember our memorials or respect the memorials of faith that we set up, but instead to talk to them about why they have meaning for us. And so in this room, there are multiple generations that represent multiple global events that have been memorialized. And so there are some of you that if I start listing off global events, there's going to be emotion that rushes into your heart because you lived it, you saw it. Maybe some of you lived it and saw it even closer than others. But there are other historical events that have been memorialized that I could mention, and there's no emotional connection to it because people didn't live it. And so if you think of uh, something as simple as a cemetery, the longer that we go and the further removed from the moment, the less personal emotion that we feel towards it. And so I could go into the Harlington Cemetery this afternoon where hundreds of people's lives are memorialized. Right? Are you tracking with me? And there are a few people that I have known whose lives are memorialized in that cemetery. 
But out of the hundreds of people who are buried there, there are very few that I know. And so I can go into that cemetery and either walk or drive around it, and I'm not going to have a severe, significant emotional experience like someone who would have known hundreds of those people who are buried there. And so why do I point it out? I point it out because it's so important for us to remember what we're living for. It's also important for us that we continue to have a growing relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus should be living and vibrant. Our relationship with Jesus should be living and vibrant. And so there's a couple of thoughts with this. We have to get better at celebrating what God has done in our lives and telling others about it. We just have to. We've got to start paying attention to the things that God has done and do a better job of sharing those and celebrating that. I had someone come up to me a few weeks ago, and, and she said, I have been sober for 27 days or however many days that it was. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's incredible. I said, next week, I want you to come up to me and tell me that it's been seven more days that you've celebrated sobriety. And the next week, let's keep doing this every week and continue to celebrate that God has set you free from addiction. Right? So, but if we're not telling others of what God has done, then how can we celebrate it? And I'm just telling you that our relationship with him should be vibrant and growing. Secondly, our greatest experience with God should not be from decades ago. Our greatest experience with God should not be from decades ago. We need to celebrate more and somehow memorialize those moments. And I'll just tell you this, that Erica and I in August will have been married for 19 years. And some of you are like, you don't look old enough to be married 19 years. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> in August, we've been married for 19 years. And if I stand up here and I tell you that I love my wife, our relationship is incredible, and then you say, well, what is the best time that you've had in your life? And I go, well, you know, I think it was in 2002, that September, after we got married, when we were newlyweds, that was probably the greatest time that we had as a couple. Right? You're going to question how great our relationship is if the last most meaningful moment that we've had in our marriage relationship was 19 years ago. What does that say for us as a church when we think about the spiritually significant moments that God has done in our lives? Right? If as, as individuals, if the highlight of our relationship with Jesus was decades ago, what are we doing? What did we do over the last five days? What did we do over the last couple of weeks and the last couple of years? Man, I hope that our relationship with Jesus will be growing and vibrant. And I just want to tell you something. is this, when we look at memorials, the further that people get away from them, the less meaning that they have. And so for us to pass on a legacy of faith to the next generation, if we're talking about things that happened decades ago and things that aren't happening current, no wonder the next generation doesn't have the same level of interest that you have. We've got to be talking about what God is doing in our lives currently. All right, I'm going to get back to my notes. We're going to keep moving here. So many, of, so many people want to live a life where they're remembered but this passage tells us to live a life that is a reminder of the goodness and the grace of God. Verse number 14 says, On the day the Lord exalted Joshua, on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. The Lord exalted Joshua in this moment, yet in this moment, Joshua didn't seek to build a memorial for himself. Instead, he sought to build a memorial for God. 
And so let's pick up in verse number 21. It says, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is what? The hand of the Lord is what? And that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua didn't have them create a memorial for him. They had, him, had them create a memorial for God. And he says, when your children ask their fathers in the future, what do these stones mean? Then you will tell them that God is mighty. God is powerful. There's no one like him. What are the memorials that you've set up that would lead the next generation to look to God? What are the spiritually significant moments in your life that you've memorialized that get people talking about Jesus? I grew up at an amazing church from the time I was 11 until my freshman year of college. The pastor was second to none. I'm telling you, he was a phenomenal pastor. He was an incredible preacher. He was a man of God. And he built a church in the early 90s of over 1,000 people, which is still a significant feat. But especially in the early 90s, to have a church that large was rare. And over his years of ministry, they, the church sent out a number of pastors and missionaries. They gave millions to missions. And when he retired from the church after 30-some-odd years, they named the Family Life Center after him. Nearly 20 years after he retired, the church closed its doors. After a couple of transitions, the church declined. The doors were closed, and it was sold to a different church. His name's no longer on the side of the building. The people who worship in that building today have no idea the history of that church they don't know the story of the man who built the church. They don't know the story of the sacrifices that he made or the countless hours that he invested in it. But none of that matters because the house he built for God still stands and hundreds gather there every single week to give glory to God. And each time I'm in Memphis, I drive by that church building. It looks like a giant pizza hut. I mean the old school pizza huts, not like the one that closed in Waverly. It's just a box that doesn't look like a box. It, I don't know, that was stupid. I shouldn't have gone there because now I don't know how to describe it to you. Except for that, it looks like an old school pizza hut. It was very large. And when I drive by there, music will help this. Let's get music. That'll help me recover. That's, that's good. Thank you. When I drive by there, there are phenomenal memories that I have. I remember the New Year's Eve watch night service coming to the front and surrendering my life to Jesus. I remember the day that I was water baptized in that building. I re remember being called into ministry from that church. But our pastor, Pastor Middlebrook, built something greater than a church building for the glory of God. He built a legacy of countless followers of Jesus and he raised up and deployed a number of pastors and missionaries. And I'll just tell you this, that if the building is torn down tomorrow, it won't matter because his legacy was not a name on the building. It's the name of Jesus on the hearts of countless people that were one to Jesus because of his ministry. The memorial that was set up by Joshua was to point people to the majesty of God. We should live our lives in such a way that it's not about us. 
that as we chase after dreams and goals and desires, that we would check our hearts and as we live our lives, that we would remember that Jesus laid down his life for us. We would do things to point others to the, in the next generation to Jesus. And our lives are living memorials for the glory of God. When we think about what God has saved us out of or saved us from, we're living memorials for the power of God. Last Saturday, we were invited to an award ceremony for the exterior of the building. The Historical Society thought it was significant enough to be inducted into the historical registry. And so we have a plaque, it'll appear on the building. And so we went for this ceremony, but beforehand they asked if we could give a tour to people. And so we gave a tour uh, to some people through our building and Deb happened to be here. And the old band director came uh, through the doors and Deb took her on a tour of the building. And afterwards, Deb came up to me and she said, uh, she said, let me tell you what just happened. She said, that was the old band director. And this is what she said. She said, your son-in-law, Clint Wickham, was naughty. He was naughty. For those of you who don't know Clint, <laughs> anyway, he's great. But so Deb said to this lady, she said, you'll never believe it. Today, he's an incredible man of God. He's a great husband, a great father. In fact, he led the youth ministry of our church for years. He's still volunteering in the youth ministry. He preaches. He's making an incredible impact. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Our lives are living memorials to the power of God. When people look at us and they realize what God has saved us from, it's much more powerful than a plaque or a memorial at a graveside. Instead, that today people get to look at our lives and we're walking living memorials to a testament that God is all powerful. That he can take a naughty kid and turn him into an incredible minister and man of God that he could take your past and redeem it today and give you a bright future. That when people would look at our lives and realize what God has saved us from, they would say, there has to be a God. Or secondly, to look at your lives and realize what God has kept you from is equally as powerful. When people knew who we were before, when they knew who we were before we met Jesus and who we are today, our lives are living memorials. And if we've been faithful in living up to the best our memorials represent, then ours may serve as building blocks for the next generation. We're living memorials. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you today who haven't taken that first step. You've not become a follower of Jesus and you say, today is that day when I wanna become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask that you would slip up your hands all across this room. You say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, Jesus. 
Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or needs to see their relationship restored back to him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to encourage you if you raise your hand to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying this morning. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.